the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, and powerful stories than The Athletic. Comprehensive coverage of all sports, sports gambling, fantasy sports, the whole gamut. Download the app, follow your favorite teams and leagues, and get a personalized feed of exclusive, ad free content. Visit theathletic.com slash spottrack today and get yourself 40% off your first year subscription. That's theathletic.com slash spottrack. My name is Mike Giannetti. Happy Sunday afternoon. We're going to reference The Athletic today with a great piece from Lindsey Jones and Daniel Kaplan talking TV money in the NFL. It's important and it's right around the corner and it sounds like it's getting closer and closer. They're just hammering out some uh, length details in terms of will it be six years, will it be 10 years with some of these networks, you know, Fox, CBS. Amazon, Disney, who's in? Everybody's in. Trust me, they're all in. And the numbers are big and it matters to maybe not 2021, but certainly 2022. So Scott Allen and I will talk a little bit NFL in terms of the salary cap, in terms of Deshaun Watson and where that lands. Maybe not so much right now because the trade situation is kind of off the table right now. But as things progress down the year, what happens to Deshaun financially? What happens to Houston financially? And really, you know, teams are in that boat. There's now a few teams that are in question, either at the quarterback position or just as a roster as a whole. And, you know, there's big decisions to be made from today through March 17th when the league year starts and free agency becomes a real thing. You know, are they going down or up, trending down or up? Is it going to be a buy or sell situation? It's harder than ever for teams to figure that out. So Scott and I kind of break down that. And then a real, real quick look at right now, Guaranteed money on NFL payrolls, you know, because that's going to change in two or three weeks here with current contracts that have vesting options kick in or, you know, future salaries, future bonuses that become fully guaranteed. So that's going to change. And then, of course, new contracts coming in. Not sure there'll be too much future guarantees on those contracts as they're mostly going to be one year deals or franchise tags, things like that. But, um, you know, it's going to change. So which teams kind of hold the most guaranteed money on their rosters right now versus the least. Some may surprise you, by the way. And then same same exercise with Major League Baseball, who have just now basically finished their offseason, top of the leaderboard, bottom of the leaderboard in terms of future guarantees and how that may affect how they react in 2021 and really, you know, in 2022 and 23, because this is a it's not a one-year process for any of these sports right now. It's a process over a couple of years. You know, who's kind of ready to win? financially speaking, and who's maybe pausing and pumping the brakes a little bit. So need to see those numbers kind of all in one big list. So we'll break that down a little bit as well. But first, I'm super excited to have Mary Kate Cabot. She's the Cleveland's beat writer for cleveland.com for the Cleveland Plain Dealer. She's on Endless TV. Uh, She's all over the board. She's been so attached at the hip with the Cleveland Browns for so long that the uh, the names are synonymous at this, this point. And she's great recent articles about Baker Mayfield and, and what his future financially might look like. Same with Denzel Ward. Uh, I know she breaks down some of the holes that need to be addressed. Denzel Ward's situation versus another cornerback, another edge rusher. Obviously, J.J. Watt has been linked directly to the Cleveland Browns, including via our projections. So she'd break down a little bit on that. She's great. She, she knows everything about the, the Browns, and uh, there's plenty to get to with her. Super thrilled to have her. So let's start with Mary Kay Cabot and the Cleveland Browns. And then we'll get to some of those questions on the NFL and Major League Baseball at the back end of the show with Scott Allen. 
But first, today's episode is also brought to us by the Online Betting Guide. If you're an NBA, NHL, or NFL expert, they're tracking it all. Stats, trends, plays, injuries. Anything that kind of changes the landscape of a league throughout the season and throughout the offseason. Prove your skills with other knowledgeable fans at OLBG.com's Pick'em Contest. They're free to enter. You share your picks, and there's cash prizes to be won. At the same time, this is a sports betting community where expert handicappers are giving their picks and explaining the process, making you a better gambler, a better better at the same time. Show them what you've got today. Visit OLBG.com. Really pleased to be joined by Mary Kay Cabot, the Browns beat reporter. Mary Kay, happy happy Sunday. It's a big offseason for the Browns. Um, you know, fringe contenders, which means g- generally that means the gas pedal is going to be down this offseason. Cap space to burn, a quarterback maybe to sign. You are uh, you are <laughs> you are busy. Let's put it that way. Oh yeah, there are, there are so many big decisions for them to make this offseason, and it really is is just a, a, a monumental offseason, I think, for Andrew Barry. Uh, because, you know, now he's been around here as the GM for a year and he's being faced with a lot of very, very big decisions. I mean, he has to decide whether or not to extend Baker Mayfield this offseason, whether or not to extend Denzel Ward this offseason, uh, you know, whether or not to go out and, and, you know, sign some big name players. So th- there are a lot of things to decide upon. So let's start there. You know, we, we hear a lot about the Stavansky hire and, and how that kind of changed things, but we don't hear so much about the front office work. It, what kind of sense do you get out of Cleveland in terms of how that's changed? Is there is there a little bit more hope? Is there, you know, is the process that's in place now just obviously different than what they've had before? Has Andrew Barry made that much of an impact? Well, he definitely has. And I think the, the biggest thing, the number one thing, is that they're all on the same page for the very first time, I think, since I've been covering the team, which is many, many years. Uh, this is the first time that I can remember that from the top all the way down through the coaching staff, they are all pulling in the same direction. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has been really difficult and challenging here for the past, I mean, even just the last seven, eight years has been really, really tough in that regard. So for these guys to all, you know, be working together, uh, you can see the things that you can accomplish uh, when, when you're all working on the, on the same page. Yeah. You mentioned Denzel Ward. I, I can't stop but think whenever I hear that name and many others uh, and link him to Carson Wentz, you know, which has kind of been another sneaky good win for the Browns this offseason, right? With the implosion of that situation and, and him having to transfer, um, you know, look what's come of really many of those draft picks that were traded to get out of that pick for Carson Wentz. And here we are with Baker, who who I, I think is the answer, at least short term. So so let's flip the switch there. What's the sense you get? Because I, I'm Buffalo-based. There's a lot of Josh Allen talk. There's a lot of Lamar Jackson talk. Obviously, the Dak Prescott situation. It could be a monumental offseason here for quarterback contracts. Where does Baker fit into that conversation? And do you think this is the right time to do that? Well, you know, it it really is an interesting and intriguing situation to take a look at because on one hand, they really do believe and feel that Baker Mayfield is the quarterback that can get them where they want to go, especially in this Kevin Stefanski offense. They think the upside is great. By the same token, uh, he doesn't even have some of the same credentials as some of the other guys, even Josh Allen Mm -hmm. or Lamar Jackson, who are up for their extensions this offseason. And he doesn't have 
the resume that a Jared Goff or a Carson Wentz or a Deshaun Watson or a Patrick Mahomes had when they signed their extensions when they were first eligible for them after their third seasons. So I actually think there is a strong case, a strong argument for waiting, for exercising caution. And there is some precedence for that. Uh, you know, when you look at Andrew Barry and Ryan Grigson, who is his senior uh, you know, advisor, basically, they were in Indianapolis together when the Colts decided not to extend Andrew Luck right after his third season. They picked up the option. And then they redid his contract after the fourth season. So if you're trying to read the tea leaves and look for clues as to what these guys may or may not do, I think that's at least one thing that you can look at and, and see that that's how they did it there. And it actually you know, wasn't the worst idea in the world. It's a really great point and a really nice comparison because – you know, you're right. He doesn't have the Josh Allen credentials right now. He he doesn't have Lamar's MVP, right? I mean, he doesn't have anything that can really hold up a light to the current situation, except for the fact that he was the number one pick ahead of all of these guys. So, and and that holds clout. That holds a lot of clout from the agent to the negotiation table. So the Andrew Luck comparison is great. And you're right, they waited. And, you know, the argument against waiting is, well, maybe you can get him for a few million dollars less this year. And, you know, when you have to sign him after all those other quarterbacks have signed, now maybe it's over $45 million a year. That's going to be a good problem to have. If he's a slam dunk extension next offseason, it's because something went extremely right in 2021. So I'm all for the waiting. I think both he and Lamar Jackson should be held off until the 2021 offseason. But, you know, that's... It's not how things work right now. So, so I wouldn't be surprised if tomorrow morning we wake up Mary Kay and Baker's got $120 million fully guaranteed. But you're, you're closer to this than I am. Let's switch gears a little bit. The, the secondary needs some work. You mentioned Denzel Ward probably needs a new paycheck. But he needs a partner, too. Um, what are you hearing in terms of how the Browns may react with a, a new starting cornerback, uh, you know, a couple of replacement safeties. Is this going to be a heavily draft-based offseason, or are they going to go swinging in, in uh, you know, in March 17th here? Well, you know, I just answered some questions about uh, Marshawn Lattimore. A lot of people are right. asking about him because, obviously, he's a Cleveland native, an Ohio State product. Uh, he actually has the same agent as Denzel Ward. And... Uh, the Saints are in cap hell right now, and they are going to have to cut some some big name guys or trade some big get name guys to get uh, into better cap shape. So uh, that's somebody that I think uh, you know people are kind of looking at for some of those reasons. I do not know uh, if the Browns are interested in acquiring him at this point. Uh, we actually will be talking to Andrew Barry this week. Not that he would uh, let on about that and be super upfront about it, but. Uh, you know, maybe we'll have a little bit of a better idea if they would be willing to do something like that. But it might make sense, especially, uh, you know, especially if you don't have to give up a high draft draft pick for him or if for some reason they actually just let him go, which I don't know if they would do that or not. But if they do, I mean, he doesn't have any dead cap space. So, I mean, they could. I mean, that is not as you know, these fifth year options aren't guaranteed until the, the first day of the league year. So if you let go of a guy like a David Njoku or a Marshawn Lattimore, it, it's not costing you anything the way that it will uh, from this year going forward. So, uh, you know, so who knows what's going to happen with that situation, but I think it bears watching. And I do think that the Browns are going to need uh, to have a backup plan 
at cornerback opposite Denzel Ward because uh, right now the the slated starter is Greedy Williams. He's coming off of a shoulder injury, missed all of 2020 with nerve damage in mm. his shoulder. So they're really hoping that he can come back healthy and strong in 2020. But when you're dealing with that kind of an injury that needs to actually regenerate, um, you're really just relying on on your body to do the work. And uh, and there's not always necessarily uh, a hard and, and fast time frame on it. Sure. Um, Odell Beckham. Currently the highest cap hit on the Browns table, currently the highest base salary on the Browns table. So when I look at that, generally speaking, that's a huge restructure candidate, especially in in, in a down year like we're going to have here. Uh, I think he's being talked about as much as a trade candidate as he is a restructure candidate now. Where what's your sense with that? I know there's a Rashad Higgins situation to re-sign, you know, maybe a, a draft pick, maybe a second round pick with a wide receiver as well. So, you, you know, the wheels are churning in the wide receiver role. Is Beckham here to stay at least for the year? And does that mean a restructure is coming? You know, I don't know that a restructure would be coming uh, this year unless they, you know, unless they all decided that, uh, you know, that they were going to, you know, want to keep him around for the foreseeable future and try to extend him. But I I don't, I don't really see that happening. His $12.791 million of his current 157 five million dollar payday for 2021 mm-hmm. is guaranteed already because of injury so i, I don't see you know I, I i don't see the benefit to him to restructuring right now necessarily uh, so i guess i would say i think the browns will at least listen to trade offers this year uh if they want to get out from underneath that you know that big payday for Odell and they feel like they, you know, can do some other things. Another thing, you know, that I, I wrote this week was, you know, a guy like Brashard Perriman, you know, mm-hmm. you can get a guy like that for, you know, maybe $6 million, $7 million a year or something like that. Uh, you know, put him in the room, add some speed to the wide receiver room, re-sign a Rashard Higgins. So you're kind of getting a two for one. Uh, it, it'll be interesting what happens. You know, who knows if anybody would be willing uh, to give up a high pick for Odell coming off the torn ACL. And, and and if he does come back, I'm sure the Browns would be happy to have him. And I'm sure he'll do, he'll do great with Baker this year. Yeah. I think it's a toss up as well. You, you know, as a trade piece, the, the already guaranteed salary is interesting because you can, you can look at that as a one year, $13 million contract that, th- that can be restructured however you need. You know what I mean? And to me, yeah. that's attractive to a team that's just looking to drop a piece in for, for the one year term. And look, this is going to be a big year for one year deals anyway. So uh, if somebody thinks, you know, a second or a third round pick for, for a stop top wide receiver, that that's a good get, I think. And I think they're definitely going to shop that. I love your, Perryman slash Higgins combo. That's that's an Andrew Barry type move. That's a little bit of a money ball type move. Two for one. Uh, you're still going to be cheaper than the Beckham price. That That's exactly what I think could happen out there. I've got the same situation kind of projected for San Francisco with Perryman. So uh, same kind of thinking, exact same kind of thinking there. Who, what else is, uh, you mentioned Njoku. Is it just time to move on from that? I mean, they made the big free agent splash last year with Hooper. I, I imagine they're going to continue to address that kind of, uh, you know, in mid round picks from here out. Is Njoku's time in Cleveland probably up? Well, you know, here's the weird thing about it. The Browns really haven't wanted it to be up. You know, they like it. Yeah, they've tried, haven't they? Yeah. And they, I mean, they, uh, you know, Andrew Barry was here 
when when he was drafted. You know, he was he was part of that that team that drafted him, and he liked him for a lot of reasons. And I I think that he sees him as a valuable uh, member of the offense and and someone that could probably even play a larger role than he did last year. But for whatever reason, I mean, David's just not happy. He he fancies himself a number one tight end. He wants to go somewhere and be that. He wants more production. He wants a big long-term contract. He wants all of those things. So he has, you know, continued to sort of make it known that that he seeks greener pastures. And I think Andrew Barry has kind of dug his heels in and basically said, no, you know, you are our property. We have you under contract and we will dictate how this is going to mm. go. You're not going to go, you know, you're not going to go on Jim Rome and talk your way out of town. That's just <laughs> not how, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I sort of get the the sense that that's, you know, that's the vibe we are going to, you know, we are going to uh, make sure that this goes how we want it to go. Not, you know, not how you want it to go necessarily. So, uh, you know, he's got Drew Rosenhaus as his agent. So I think that uh, Andrew Barry and, and Drew Rosenhaus and, and maybe even David, they'll, you know, they'll have a frank conversation about it because that's the way that Andrew deals with people. And that is another uh, really key thing about this front office is they, uh, they're really honest with, with their players about their expectations. And I think that from everything I can tell, players and agents are, are really enjoying working with guys that will shoot you straight like that. Um, but, you know, I, here's what I would do. I would let him go. I think this is a team that has everybody on board, everybody rowing in the same direction. Everybody really loves being here, playing for Kevin Stefanski. If you don't want to be here, then I really don't want you here. I think it's a distraction. I, I just don't think it's worth it. So I would do the best I possibly could to find some other situation for you. Try to get something out of it if you can, uh, but I would move on from him. Yeah, and I don't think it's a rush. Because that $6 million fifth-year option, that doesn't scare me, you know, when that becomes no. fully guaranteed. I'll, I'll keep that until I need to. Um, and, and that's half of what a top tight end is being paid right now in the market. So, you know, once the free agent market passes, and, and maybe even after the draft, and, and you identify a couple of teams that didn't get the guys they wanted, you know, plan B, th that doesn't scare me. You know, I, I would take a mid-round pick to move on from that $6 million and and not have to think about it. So... No rush in that regard. I think you hold on to him and hold his rights, like you're saying, until you know you find the right situation. But yeah, that that's that's a plan B price at six million, right? Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. Yes, I you know, and and as I mentioned before, I think he I think he's well worth that and more. Right. Uh, you know, I think if he if they would have used him more, there were certain games last year where I really felt that uh, you know, like the Jets game. Uh, where, you know, they didn't have any of their receivers. I would have used a guy like Dave Njoku a lot more. He's hanging onto the ball a lot better than he did in the past. Austin Hooper actually had more drops uh, than David Njoku did per target. So hmm. I I think for $6 million, that, that's a bargain for him. I would give him a larger role if he were happy here. But if he's, if he's going to be somebody that is, you know, kind of not moping around because he did put his head down and go to work last year. But if he's not all in with the program and isn't happy being here, yeah. I just don't know how many guys I want around like that. Yeah. That's kind of the story of the NFL right now, isn't it? Guys are trying to wiggle their way out of situations that aren't perfectly ideal. So that may become a bigger story for you to follow for sure. Let's finish yeah. on JJ because, you know, I did this ridiculously long, way too much work piece where I predicted, you know, 60 to 70 contracts over the next couple of weeks. And, 
I've got JJ landing in, in Cleveland on basically three for 45 million, that 15 million mark we're kind of hearing now. I, I don't think that's out of bounds knowing that, you know, the guy across the other side of the line at miles Garrett's making 25 right now and is much younger and, and less injury prone. How do you see all of this working out? You know, is JJ a legitimate option? Is it something you're hearing that the big wigs really want to make happen at this point? Or is it more of the hot stove at this point? Well, you know, I keep hearing that they're still in it, uh, that JJ is still uh, considering the Browns. I, I know that once again, and I've written this a few times, that they do have a lot of the things that he wants. He wants a good quarterback. He wants to win. He want, He really wants an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. He wants a good culture. He wants a lot of those kinds of things. There just aren't that many teams that have the money to pay him right yeah, now. Yeah. You know, I mean, when you start whittling it down, uh, there there are not a ton of teams that, that can get this done. The Browns are one of the teams that can that have the money to actually pull this off. So that's why I do think it's not the craziest thing in the world what you wrote uh, to, you know, to think that perhaps he could end up here. And I would pay him that amount of money because not only are you going to get that kind of sack production and disruption out of him and all the things that he brings to the table, but I think then you enhance Miles Garrett. I think it turns Miles Garrett into even a better weapon than what he's been before if, if, an offense has to also contend with J.J. Watt. So, I mean, you might end up with, you know, an NFL Defensive Player of the Year out of miles just by bringing J.J. And we saw what it looked like for Patrick Mahomes in the, uh, you know, in the Super Bowl when you guys have, when you have guys flying off the edge and you make it really difficult on quarterbacks. And I think it would give them that. And I, I think it would be well worth it. No question. It's a league of young quarterbacks and pressure, <laughs> pressure is the way to, to, to complement that right now. So to, I agree. Everything you just said is right. At the end of the day, I just think the Browns have the ability to push a little harder financially. And even if that doesn't mean a lot to JJ Watt, it, he can't look away. You know, that's the, <laughs> at the end of the day, if you can blow him away and, and you're the leader in the clubhouse in that regard, and if it's the Bills and the Packers and the Raiders or whoever else is going big, they just seem to have the whole package. They're right there waiting. This is the kind of guy. Let, let me finish on this question. What's your sense with how the current defense, because it's a pretty good core right now. How would they handle a guy like that coming in? Would they be okay with him kind of taking the reins and becoming that, you know, that sort of grandfather figure? Or would there be maybe a, a little bit of a pecking order as he enters Cleveland? You know what? I think they would embrace him and yes. welcome him with open arms. That's how these guys are on this Browns defense. It's, it's, this is not, uh, you know, a, a clicky defense where they wouldn't accept him. And no, they're not like that. This is a really good group of guys. I think they would welcome an, a three-time NFL defensive player of the year. I also think they could use a more vocal leader like he is. Miles is a leader, and he, he tried to become a lot more vocal this year. But it's really not in his nature to do that. Uh, you know, he he kind of put himself out there more, and that was good. I respect him for that. Uh, but J.J. just sort of has that natural, uh, you know, kind of follow me sort of vibe about him. And I think it would be good for the dynamic on this defense. She's at Mary Kay Cabot on Twitter. You can find her at Cleveland.com in the Cleveland Plain Dealer and on plenty of TV appearances as well. She's everywhere. She's all things Browns. Mary Kay, thanks so much for your time. Sure. Thanks for having me different sports the nfl offseason is here but i know you have a couple of questions to throw my way so let's have it yeah so let's start with number one uh deshaun watson 
you know, could hold out. What are the implications if he does, like if he gets, if he holds out for the whole season or just a certain amount of games, is he, how much would he get suspended for anything like that? Yeah, look, that's uh, I would even say that's probably likely, not just possible at this point. It sure sounds like the, uh, the language is, is pretty strong in terms of him, he and his camp right now and staying away. And for obvious reasons, Houston's not backing down either. So, you know, he's not on the block and Houston's not even taking phone calls, which is really a whole other discussion to have, by the way. The whole idea of getting rid of a young quarterback, it's really become a thing since Tannehill went from Miami to Tennessee and basically went all the way to the promised land with them. Uh, we'll get there later. Here, it, This Watson stuff's going to start coming a face really in like six weeks now because mandatory mini camps happen this spring. If he doesn't show up to that, which I would, I would imagine that's likely at this point, he's going to lose about $96,000 right there for missing the mandatory mini camp. Uh, then we get into training camp. And by the way, per the new CBA, None of these fines that I'm saying out loud now are optional. They used to be the team had the discretion, the option to say, you know, give us the money or not. And for anyone with you know, anyone worth a damn, they never paid. Right. So Marshawn Lynch never paid, you know, Antonio Brown, never, whoever these camp holdouts, it was kind of like a semantics. That's not the case anymore. Per the new CBA, it is absolutely required to find these players $50,000 for each day of training camp missed. Plus if we get into the preseason games, Sounds like there'll be three of those. One week's salary off of his actual 2021 base salary, which is 10 and change. So he will lose 50000 per training camp day missed. He'll lose 620000 per preseason game missed. And again, that cannot be forgiven. So 28 days of training camp, the mandatory mini camp, three preseason games. You're talking about 3.3 million lost before we even get to week one. He's going to lose over 3 million this offseason if he stays away, which, like I said, probably likely. What if he doesn't show up for the regular season? That's probably the bigger question for Houston fans and football fans in general. Again, that base salary is about 10.5. Kind of the same deal as the preseason. Every week he misses is about $620,000 lost. If he stays out the whole time, he loses the whole 10 and 10.5 million. So you're talking almost 14, 15 million dollars lost to sit out 2020, 2021, excuse me. So is that worth it to him? Yeah. I mean, it's not a $45 million salary this year, right? It's right. 10 and a half with some uh with some basic uh off-season fines to go with it. So This is a real, real possibility, if I had to guess, because this is like a fifth-year option being sat out on, and and the fines don't mean a damn thing to him because he doesn't want to be there. So he's going to play power here as much as possible, and he'll risk risk losing the money. Can Houston suspend or additionally fine him for – detrimental to the team or not agreeing to follow through with the contract outside of the per game loss? It's a good question. You know, breach of contract, all that good stuff. They can take him to court for it for sure. Um, That won't be likely. That won't be likely because now you're, now you're, uh, you're pushing back on a situation that could hurt you with future negotiations and future relationships and free agency and things like that. Um, 
look, if he continues it, they'll try to get some of that signing bonus back for sure. You know, and that's that's the big enchilada on this contract. It's, um, you know, $25 million bonus, four of which has already been allocated to the cap. So, you know, 5.4 million every four years now. So I, it's possible they start going after that if this gets real and, and long-term, but I, I just think he's got the leverage here. There's enough story out there. There's enough clout in his camp to be, and, and look, there's enough interest, obviously, that if somebody wants to come swinging with a big enough offer, they're going to have to say yes eventually, but is that week seven, you know? <laughs> right. Now, is it possible that for hypothetical purposes, say he does sit out all of 2021 and then after mm-hmm. 2021, Houston says, all right, let's just trade him. Could they trade him and then still try to recoup yep. some of that signing bonus proration? Yeah, of course. Yeah, whatever they had to, to keep on their cap this year, they could go and get back next year. So that's a guarantee in my book that that would be happening because uh, my guess is that signing bonus is probably paid out half last year, half this year anyway, in terms of cash. I, I don't have the official breakdown on the payment process, but you know, there's probably some, a sizable payment coming to him this year anyway from Houston that they won't be happy to give out. So yeah, that's, that kind of stuff's up in the air. There's no question about it. If he, uh, cause look, the other thing you can do is retire. And if he retires, they're definitely going after the, the full 21, six of that signing bonus left. They'll go get that out, out of arbitration. So now if he does retire, a, go ahead. If he does retire, do they still retain his his rights, sort of like the Andrew Luck situation? Yep. Contract stays contact just freezes. Okay. You know, that's why Gronk had to be traded when he came back. Because right. New England still had one year left on his contract. So they had to move him because they couldn't even afford his cap hit when he came back, when he decided to unretire. So yeah, the contract will just freeze and he'll, he'll kind of just sit on the sidelines. But you don't want to do that. You don't, you don't want to officially retire because, like I said, they'll go after that $20 million plus and get it back. Uh, there won't be any good faith here like there was with Andrew Luck. So it's a weird situation. I think it ends up with a trade. I think it has to. Houston doesn't have the team right now to live without him. You know, you're not going to throw A.J. McCarron in there with Brandon Cooks and possibly, uh, you know, David Johnson still. And win a ton of ball games. Not you know JJ Watt gone. There's just DeAndre Hopkins not in that room anymore. To me, there's just not a good enough team to live without him. So let's live without him, but get four great picks or maybe a quarterback back in the process, and at least try to retain some sanity in this in this front office. Now, if you're a team not Houston, mm-hmm. do you put? out a giant mega offer three first rounds and some second or whatever, maybe some players in there too, or do you let the situation in Houston play itself out so that there's more of a deadline? And if Mm -hmm. he does sit out all of 2021, you may know where the 2022 cap is, especially going into that 40 million. You know, I know the cap would change because he'd get traded, but it's still going to be somewhere around like 35 ish. Mm-hmm. So, do do you as a team do you hold off and and see um, where Houston is going to be going with this, or do you put your mega offer up in front right now to get him under your books? You put your your 
best case offer, not your best offer. You put your middle offer out there right now, just to, just to let Houston know that you're thinking about them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's kind of like a DM through Instagram. You know what I mean? I just want you yeah. to know I'm here. I know I don't want to go out with it yet. I just want, I, I just want you to know I exist. Um, and if you need to get me, you know where to find me. Um, so it's the, it's the middle offer today after June 1st, when their dead cap situation gets better and all the quarterback carousel has fallen. You know, where's Fitzpatrick, where's Dalton, where's Newton, where's Alex Smith, where are all these draft picks going? Who, who, who's who got it all figured out? You know, if Carolina's still sitting there with not a great option outside of Teddy Bridgewater and they're, and they're sitting there ready to pounce, but there's not seven other teams with them anymore. Now they go. Now they go and throw in that extra first or whatever it's going to be, you know, Bridgewater or McCaffrey, whatever it's going to be. Um, and I keep using them because they just seem to have the most draft capital and the biggest need for a, a new quarterback right now outside of Chicago. But uh, yeah, you're going to wait this out a little bit. You want it to get a little bit more, a little bit messier in Houston. <laughs> you know, you want things to get more public, get, get a little bit more of an angry between the two sides so that there's just no way out, but trade. And then you can come in with a, a sizable offer to, to make them feel comfortable about moving on from him. But Look, Do you want pre pre draft or uh, well at draft? Here's to me. Here's the most or important after. part for for said new team. You want him this year. You want him before week one because this is an unbelievably cap friendly year for you. I mean, you're going to have him on ten point five four million in terms of the new cap coming to you. That's incredible for the type of player that Deshaun Watson is. So you know, it, it jumps to thirty five million next year, like you said. You know, which is fine because he's going to be worth it. But you want it right now. You want the value this year to figure some things out, add some new pieces around him if you need to do that. Um, you want to be able to fit some, fit some other pieces in with that $10.5 million cap in 2021 and then live with the fact that it's going to jump up after that. But yeah, that new team and Houston, you want to get out this year, in my opinion. And I understand Houston losing him is a problem, but we talked about it before. This is not a team ready to contend anyway, so... Just get it done. But yeah, probably later, probably June, July ish, if I had to guess. Yeah, I agree. I, I, something's going to have to give. It's sort of like the James Harden situation. Something had to give and something gave, and Harden is out, and Houston is now. Yeah, that's right. It got a little uglier first. It, it did. Yeah. And, you he know, gained Houston, a bunch of weight. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and it's kind of ironic that we're talking about Houston and Ugh. Houston Rockets, and, Awful. you know, it. it, it it's a rough time for any Houston fan. Uh, But, you know, if, if Houston can get back a slew of picks, a slew of even some players thrown in there, if they have some, you know, middle of the tier players that they think are projected, you know, they, they could on, I was thinking about it, Scott, fix themselves. And I don't have all the data in front of me, but, you know, and I don't, we don't really dive into the draft grading process so much, but I've seen, you know, I've dabbled with the football outsider stuff and seen the numbers over the past 10 years or so, how some of these franchises have done. And, and the Bill O'Brien situation, and, and really, now that we're able to, now that we're kind of allowed to step back and, and actually evaluate, evaluate Bill Belichick, you know, because he, he's just been kind of untouched, an untouched asset for 20 years because of how successful he's been. It's just you give him the benefit of the doubt with every move that's made because they keep freaking winning the AFC East. Well, now that there's been a setback, we can evaluate him. These coaches that take on either a full GM role or a major power role in the football operations side of things, how successful have they been? 
with the draft picks. I mean, Houston's draft has been a disaster, an absolute disaster for the past, I don't know, six to eight years. And we all know New England's history, especially in the first couple of rounds. You know, and it's not just the last two years. It's been 10 years of really big time swing and misses for the most part. So, you know, what other franchises kind of have this going for them for for a lot of years? Uh, look, Ron Rivera had that last year. You know, he had a little bit too much power because they're just that whole organization was just going under turmoil. But, you know, Carolina had that for a, a bunch of years. It, you know, Nick Saban, when he joined Miami, he had full control. Pete Carroll had a, has more control than I think a lot of people want to admit. Um, and that's a part of Russ's problem out there, by the way, right now. It affects, it affects the ability to kind of run the full operation, the full gamut of the NFL team. And look, it's more than ever. And, you know, Spotrek is a big advocate of it. The, the business side of football couldn't be bigger right now. Couldn't be. It's, it's as important, if not more important, than the football operations inside of these NFL franchises. You have to have everything figured out. You have to have a process, a plan, a three-year window, a three-year plan in terms of the numbers. And we all know how much analytics are driving conversations and decisions now. So if you're, if you're a one-trick pony, if you're just Bill Belichick and you're trying to assess second-round value versus free agent value versus trade value while also trying to manage a roster and, and you know, a new quarterback right now. It just seems like that's too much to take on. It has to be, even for the most brilliant minds out there, Belichick being one of them. So Bill O'Brien may be a hell of a coach, but he was weighing over his head here in Houston. And it set them back years because if and when Deshaun does go, you know, there's no unicorn coming into that room to fix Houston instantaneously. You know, even if you get Sam Darnold, and three first. There's no, I, I don't see an immediate, you know, path to success for Sam Donald in that, in that front office because it just seems like there's nine holes to fix, not one. So I, I wonder how that conversation will start to carry now that Belichick is slipping back a little bit, that O'Brien's was a disaster. And, and the examples we have of recent examples, because back in the day, that was a thing. Shanahan did it, Gibbs did it. There was, a, there were a lot of, big-time head coaches that were given that kind of power, and they, they were successful. But I don't think the business side of football was as big or, or complicated back then as it is now. There's just so many numbers, so many things to evaluate. It's a 12-month process. I just think it's too much for, for one human being to handle, and I think it, franchises are suffering because of it. You know, New England's draft suffered, I think, because of the fact that there weren't four good eyeballs and brains on that process. Versus, you know, just having Belichick really take the lead. So we'll see. We'll see if that kind of conversation picks up. But no question it was a factor in Houston's past couple of years. And, and it factored in, into, the, into you know, DeAndre Hopkins trade, J.J. Watt's granted release. And now we'll see what happens with Deshaun. But it's an interesting situation. But long story short, he, he's set to lose about $15 million if he uh, if he sits out here and uh, is fined all offseason long and then misses his entire salary. So we'll see what comes to head with that. What's next? Yeah, any updates on this NFL cap? Okay. One of the reasons I want to talk about this today is The Athletic, our great partner here. They did a really interesting piece. Was it Thursday or Friday? I remember seeing it pop up, and I remember thinking to myself, oh, I need to sit down and read this sucker. So it's here. I have it in front of me, and I will tweet it out along with this podcast. But Lindsey Jones and Daniel Kaplan, great uh, NFL slash business analysts at The Athletic, 
put together a little piece because it's not just rumblings now of this new NFL TV stuff. It's here. And it's like weeks away. It, it, it may coincide. You know how the CBA was like, it hit like an hour before the league yes. year last year and it destroyed yeah. our lives because we had to barely bunker down and figure everything out. It sounds like these TV contracts could hit like March 15th. Okay. Like <laughs> it, immediately with the new league year. And and I'm, go, I'm not going to hold back here. I've been saying this every show. I'm going to say it again. And I'd love your thoughts. It sounds like they're going to more than double these contracts. It sounds like it's going to be 14 billion plus of new revenue on these TV contracts. It sounds like ESPN is going to keep Monday Night Football, maybe even add ABC to that gamut. It sounds like CBS and Fox are both going to get retain their Sunday afternoon uh, scheduling at, at a huge increase, like a 75% increase on all of that, by the way. And then the red zone now is kind of this new animal that's being tossed out there. And there's a lot of rumblings that either ESPN Plus gets that or the new Paramount streaming network, which if you noticed, mm -hmm. had about four commercials <laughs> during the Super Bowl. That yes. wasn't an accident, by the way. Not at all. Um, and oh, by the way, speaking of Amazon, you know, and those streaming services, it's not an accident that Bezos announces his retirement. And then like 48 hours later, it's he's being directly linked again to the Washington football franchise Correct. who are going through a Daniel Snyder mess still. You know, my already orders trying to get out. They're trying to push Snyder out. There's a lot of in-house rustling. And Jeff Bezos is just waiting to pounce on that. And he can't be linked to Amazon and own an NFL team because Amazon is big with the streaming services in the NFL in, inside of these conversations. Possibly Thursday Night Football, possibly, you know, Red Zone. All that stuff could be coming to Amazon Prime as well, not to mention the international games when those come back in the fold. So... There's a lot out there, and it means a ton of money, like a ton, a ton of money, way more than I think anybody anticipated at the start of 2020 because of everything we're going through here. And, and I'm just going to finish on this. I know it's obvious. I know I've been beating this to a pulp, but how do you then let this cap drop to 180, knowing this money's coming and saying out loud, well, everything's going to be fine in 2022. Have we not learned anything from the NBA? Scott, please tell the world <laughs> what happened to the NBA when they dumped the cap and then ballooned it back up 12 months later. What happened? Kevin Durant went to the Warriors. Yeah, it but, opened up yeah, that's, a lot of doors. That's only and, one and, example. Like So and, and many teams right. colluded to benefit from this, right? Yeah, well, that and a lot of players got larger contracts that don't necessarily maybe have deserved them. But because the space was there for teams that weren't banking on it, mm -hmm. they were able to spend money on, on players and, and sort of overpay for players that probably wouldn't have in a normal year. Let me put it this way. Let's say Dak Prescott takes the franchise tag this year because of everything we're saying. And oh, by the way, Dak, take the, take the franchise tag. <laughs> okay. Take the 37. It's a hell of a payday. It's 70 million over two for you. I understand the injury risk. Nobody knows that more than he does now. But if this thing really happens, because they're not going to franchise tag him a third time, right? That's astronomical. That's 140% of $37 million, which is $53 million. So I don't care what the cap is in 2022. That's not happening, okay? And it's, and it's more because it comes, becomes exclusive at that point. It's just not happening, which means he's walking in 2022, a 28-year-old top five quarterback 
who just made $70 million on franchise tags is going to become available on the open market in 2022 when the salary cap could go from 183 to 220. Okay? That's what could happen here. Yeah. That guy walks up to every team in football and says, my starting point is 50. What's yours? <laughs> right? That's what's going to happen. And, 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 and that's the kind of thing that will happen with a lot of free agents who are reading this exact freaking article right now saying, what am I going to lock in for two years for? No way. I'll take $7 million this year if it means I'm getting 20 next year. You know what I mean? Allen Robinson, pff, take the franchise tag on $18 million and go pick your team next year when the cap is astronomical. The NBA made a gigantic mistake in doing this. They know it. They know it. That's why they kept cap neutral this year, last year, right? That's why they did it, because they yeah. absolutely made the wrong decision on letting that cap drop one year and then having to fix their mistake a year later. The NFL is going to regret this. They're going to regret this. There's going to be rookies and free agents. There's going to be people losing jobs, like maybe never even getting back into the league because of the cap crunch we're about to get to. You know, if you're 34, mm -hmm. 35 right now and you can still play, but you want to you want to make three million teams are just going to let you walk unless you take a minimum salary. And if you're holding your ground, you may never be back. You may get completely bounced out and replaced via draft, via free agency. So it's a really awkward situation. And look, these guys are these guys and gals in the NFL. They know what they're doing. You know, I'm not preaching any any uh, new news here. I'm just saying, I hope they're doing their homework. And I hope they see how dangerous it was from the NBA and how well some of these teams were able to, you know, play the, play the odds, you know, and, and use it to their advantage and literally change their franchises forever. The Golden State Warriors were a bag of garbage before Steph Curry, Steph Curry was drafted and then the Kevin Durant situation came in. It, they're now iconic because of this, because of the salary cap, because of the way they were able to manipulate the salary cap. The NFL is putting themselves in that kind of situation right now. Yeah, and and if the teams are planning accordingly, and you know that the balloon could potentially happen and go up as high as you're saying, you if you're a team that has anywhere substantial of cap space to roll over, you're going to make all your cuts and make sure you do all your capology now to say, all right. What is our maximum amount of rollover so that on top of the extra $40 million that we're going to get from the cap going up from this year, what can we roll over? And you're going to have teams that may have rolled over, you know, an extra 30 to 40 million. Let's take it and even farther. It's not even, it's not just cap, it's cash. It, it's let's put some, right. let's put some cash in savings so that we can go, go hog wild in 2022 when Dak is available, when, you know, superstar wide receivers might become available so we can pay top dollar for them and front load that with roster bonuses and things like that. And then yeah, subsequently, and, the signing bonuses too, yeah. Yeah. and then subsequently, right. If you're going to be eight and eight or eight and nine, right. If the 17 games hits this year, if that's where you're projecting yourself internally, just be two and 15. This is the year where, half the league may actually try to tank. Load up on your dead cap, cut and trade all the players that, you're, that are on your fringe right now, right? Have, have 60 million a dead cap. Take the purge right now because you're going to be bailed out by the NFL and TV money in eight months. It's coming. It's here. It may, it may be coming in two weeks. 
and they may not adjust the cap accordingly until March of 2022. So take your dead cap hits right now. Get rid of the players that you really don't want long term. You know, don't worry about contending because there's probably six to eight teams that literally have that chance. Everybody else, the, who's going to yell at you this year? You know what I mean? Nobody's going to yell at you. You dropped the cap 15 on us. You're telling us to, to dial it back a bit, right? This is the year. It could be an ugly NFL business year. Ugly. And from both sides, from all angles. If I'm Dak's agent, you better blow me away with a five-year contract because the franchise tag looks pretty freaking sweet right now, in my opinion. So that's all I wanted to do. There's a bit of an update here from The Athletic. Like I said, I'll tweet this out. It's a nice piece, really good Q&A session by Lindsay and Daniel. Um, and it's, you know, it's kind of stating without saying what I'm saying that this money's coming and it's coming soon. So what the heck are we doing here? <laughs> if they know that the money is coming, is what percentage chance would you put on that the league says, all right, we're going to make the cap Seems too late, doesn't it? Doesn't it seem too late? No, no, because they haven't come out with a cap for even these franchise tag values for, you know, assigning franchise tags to these players. So, you know, I don't think so. And I don't think it's no, I don't think it's a surprise that the league is pushing this as hard as possible to get it a deal done to know that, all right, this cash is going to come in and maybe we can say uh, of cap smoothing where instead of it falling, we can at least maintain it the 198 that we were at, and then it goes up a little bit more. Well, I'll I, open I, a beer live on air if that happens, Scott, because that's what you and I have been championing for for six months now. But, but I think that's why they're they're pushing as hard as they can right now and, and yeah. why things are in limbo, because yeah. they're trying to do everything imaginable to make sure that they don't have that cap hell this year that it could potentially be. Yeah. It's just dangerous. It's dangerous it stuff for, and it's, and I, I hate that the players would have to go through it. You know, I, obviously the front offices will have to deal with, with the cap crunch, but they're, this is what they do for a living. I'm not worried about even the saints. They're going to figure it out. All right. They're going to get themselves cap, cap, uh, cap friendly by March 17th, 4 PM Eastern. They're going to do it. You know, it's going to be ugly, but I'm worried uh, about the guys who are about to lose jobs because of this, you know, not so much the superstars. They're going to get their money, but uh, there's just a class of people that are going to be in real trouble because of this, because of a one-year hiatus. And, and oh, by the way, the vaccination situ- outlook looks better. You know, we have now three vaccinations available to, you know, fans are going to be back in the seats. Baseball is going to start opening day with fans in seats. You know, the outdoor games, there's a lot out there right now about how the NBA is really struggling. The indoor versus outdoor with the COVID stuff is apples and oranges. So the NFL now knows they can get through this thing with with some sort of revenue. Uh, from that mm-hmm. side of the, that side of the game, it, to me, all the si- arrows are pointing up. It's all pointing green, in my opinion. So, uh, I, this blows if they really keep this thing at one eighty. I'll finish with that. What else you got for me, Scott? Um, you know, you're talking about yeah, money, cap, and everything, and, and cash. So, I mean guarantees you know nfl we know contracts are not fully guaranteed so you know how are the team's outlook as far as this guaranteed cash that they're going to have to allocate here and you know you say may have to if it goes up you're going to have to maybe you know put it all in one pot right away to yeah on a one-year term sure so so what are we looking at yeah look the 
full disclosure, I mean, it's February 28th as we speak today. By March 21st, this is going to be a, a, a very different outlook in terms of guaranteed dollars on NFL payrolls. Um, you know, generally speaking, the triggers for a lot of these upcoming guarantees for this year or next year's salaries happen March 17th, March 19th, March 21st, those first couple days of the league year. So it, this is kind of an off-season look of where teams stand. And as you can imagine, the Kansas City Chiefs obviously have the most in practical guarantees currently on their roster with Mahomes' situation, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill has a bunch down the road, Chris Jones, of course. So, you know, nobody kind of holds the light to them right now. <laughs> uh, ironically, Houston is second. And, you know, that is Deshaun, but there's some other cats that got paid, you know, middling deals that had good, strong guarantees. And oh, by the way, just as a caveat, that's the worst part about this right now. This little jump in the road is the guaranteed situation was trending so well. It, it was, you know, the, the upfront guarantee percentages were up way up like 15% over the past five years. The practical guarantees were doing very, very well at a lot of positions. Quarterback, of course, you know, leading the charge, but a lot of these positions were doing so well at strengthening their contracts, strengthening the uh, ability to get that guaranteed money over the first three, four seasons and give themselves a good clear out. So I, I just hate that there's going to be this roadblock where it's going to be one year deals, one, you know, second year options, you know, maybe backloaded contracts. We don't want to get back to that mess. That's a nightmare. Uh, so hopefully everybody kind of plays ball together. I, I saw an interesting headline, let's put it that way, that the NFLPA has basically reached out to agents saying, everybody follow suit here. Nobody getting themselves into the old school contracts. They basically want them to collude. You know, if Allen Robinson has four offers out there, let's have these agents talking to make sure that nobody, you know, Jacksonville isn't doing a seven for 200 with 20 million over the first two years. You know what I mean? We can't have that yeah. mess anymore. It's got to, we got to make sure that this is a one and done off season where everybody sort of plays nice, takes a good, short, quick, almost fully guaranteed deal if you're a superstar player. And then we get that, get out of this mess and get back to normalcy in 2022. So when I saw that, Scott, when I saw DeMora Smith, the NFLPA head, basically say that, that made me think, oh, this cap is absolutely going down. If that guy is saying this to agents right now, this thing isn't going to be 198 because if it's going to be 198, he doesn't say have to say that. So it's not, right. That's a good point. Not trending well. Detroit's third because they made a ton of free agent signings last year. I mean, they tried to fix things. Obviously, that didn't work. And Jared Goff, by the way, is a is a big part of that guaranteed now. So here's your top five in terms of current guaranteed dollars remaining on the current payroll: Chiefs, Texans. Lions, Chargers, Rams. Anybody surprise you there? Mm, Chargers. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, because Herbert's cheap. Keenan Allen had got a nice payday. Bosa's a lot of that. Joy Bosa. I know Eckler yeah. was in there too. Uh, yeah, well, running backs matter. Yeah. Bottom five right now. <laughs> the football team. The Bengals. Sorry, I miscalculated. The Packers, the football team. The Bengals, the Patriots, and the Steelers. The Steelers have less than nine million of future guarantees right now because Ben's crazy. not locked in. Yeah, all those wide receivers are, are on draft contracts and rookie contracts. You know they haven't signed Devin Bush, they haven't signed T.J. Watt, they haven't signed Micah Fitzpatrick. They're just in balance right now, as we've talked about numerous times on this on the couple, past couple of shows. They could go big time up, 
or all the way down pretty darn easily right now if they wanted to. That's just one of those teams. Same can be said about New England. Same can be said. They're hanging in the balance. Sounds like they're getting a bounty of players back from the COVID opt-out. So their defense essentially has been resuscitated a little bit. But are they going to pump $40 million into that offense? And a quarterback and a wide receiver and a tight end and a running back and and cut some of those losses? You know, their starting left guard is probably going to walk in free agency. Their starting center, David Andrews, who knows? Again, could, I think a lot depends on... Yeah, and I, de- I think a lot depends on where this cap and if this TV money does come in and knowing that the cap could spike as much as they do. Because like you said, if you're a team that you know that you, you're you projecting to win six or seven games, yeah. then you might as well just win two games or three games to... Yeah, isn't, a, have isn't the that space. the perfect team to extend a couple of those defensive players to keep them happy with the premonition of, hey man, we got we got to ride this one out. We got to ride 2021 out together. We're going to give you a little bit of a signing bonus to make you happy for the year. But this one's going to be ugly because we know what's coming. And (laughs) if we play our cards right in 2022 of March, we're going to have assets, draft capital, and, you know, some clout with Belichick and a good defense to be able to go out there and say, hey, Dak, WR1, RB1, tight end one, left tackle, center, whatever they need to replace, they're going to have the ability, the means to do so. In a, in a year where the cap should balloon like we're talking about here. So that that just seems Warriors-esque, you know, that New England could be could be that team that wants to pause so they can pounce in 2022, right? Yes. Or Belichick but, just retires. <laughs> or, or that. But, you know, I, I'm sort of pumping the brakes on New England because I wonder how much of it was I want to go play with Tom Brady. Oh, here we go. To, I want to I want to Brady versus Belichick. Belichick. Yeah, you have to, though. I know. You have to, especially with what went on last year. I get it. There were ups and downs, and you had guys not on the roster. You had Cam, who got COVID. You don't think Dak would have that kind of of clout, though, Scott, if that's the game plan? Look, it's not even... I'm not even hot-stoving that rumor. If Dak gets franchise-tagged, and he wants wants to hold out and not sign that long-term deal, he is absolutely going to free agency. So oh, absolutely. Th- this, this is not like a, uh, well, what if? No, 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 no. It's a ver- there's a very clear path to this happening. So New England's got to be thinking about this. They're a lot smarter than I am. Yeah, y- yeah, I agree with that. But then if you're, if you're Dak, do you want to go up to the north? Do you want to go to a team that is maybe a little bit closer to contending for a championship you know maybe there's you know who knows i know the saints are in cap hell and who knows where russell wilson's gonna go but (laughs) you know if the saints can somehow do some magic and get and the cap going up actually would help them sort of like the warriors you know you give them enough room that they can restructure and then get enough room there that's a great example new orleans versus the warriors you're right that's right, because they already are a good team and a well-built franchise. They just need a little help from the league, and they're going to get it next year. That's a great example, Scott. You're right. Yeah. So You're it, right. It, New England just doesn't uh, have the assets right now to attract yeah, it, anybody. You know, uh, uh, it depends on that cap and where Dak wants to go. You know, you're not... He, He's going to want to win. He's not going to want to necessarily go to a rebuild situation. And like you said, if... Belichick is out and then say McDaniels is the guy who fills in. Then you have an offensive minded head coach. Maybe that swings it one way or another, but I had Jane Slater on the show a couple months ago. You remember Jane? Yep. She, she, she targeted that 
three months ago that that's where Dak's going to end up when this is all said and done. Under just Sean Payton's like a, tutelage. Just seems like a great fit with the assets that they already have on there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, can, can the Saints hold out and do what they need to in the next, yeah. you know, eight to nine months of removing cap, maybe trading some guys that may help relieve that space and and then make that move when that cap does go up because you know you're saying 220 but that that's just a rough projection who knows you know if a fans can get back in the into the stadiums this year and on top of it you get this uh mega tv deal where you're you're doubling all that and you get all this super influx of cash Mm -hmm. of not only tv but you get fans in the stands you get the concessions you get you get everything else that piles on it that didn't happen this year you're right it's one big enchilada coming back you're right it's it's like a perfect storm it's bigger than what that happened in the nba because the nba was just tv and when we're talking tv we're only talking you know nba tv which they usually get their only thing you get tnt and espn are the two only other entities you're talking uh cbs fox ESPN, maybe like you said, ESPN Plus, or on top of it, Amazon. Amazon, you know, Paramount, pass, international broadcast. It's all over the place. League Pass is owned by the NBA. Yeah, They're not shipping this off to some other third party and selling it to them. It's within their own entity. So when, when I pay to go in and watch that, I'm paying it directly to the league, whereas the NFL, if they're shopping this out, they get the highest bidder, hmm. which may be – double what they would have spent on having in their own system in-house like the NBA or Major League Baseball. So they're really getting the potential of, you know, not only doubling down, but maybe tripling down on the money that's going to come in. They sell everything, everything. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see sponsors on the front of, of NFL uniforms soon. It's coming. It's coming. They know they have that kind of cloud out there. So yeah, uh, yeah. Interesting situation to watch for sure. Maybe not even so much about what's going to happen in two weeks. It's about maybe what's not going to happen in two weeks and what <laughs> that means for 2022. Because absolutely, there's some teams absolutely having these conversations on a daily basis internally right now. There's no question about it. You mentioned Major League Baseball. You you, you ran the numbers on that as well in terms of future guarantees. Let's let's get out of here on that because that offseason is officially done. I mean, there's some players yeah. out there left to be signed, but um, you know, spring training games basically start tomorrow morning. Um, you know, as I sit here in three feet of snow, great. <laughs> Perfect, right? Uh, top five future cumulative guarantees remaining on MLB payrolls. Pretty yeah. much teams we've talked about. With, with, <laughs> yeah, there are. I mean, the Yankees, obviously, number one. That shouldn't surprise anybody. It might surprise some people that it's not the Dodgers. But um, 780, pump to Garrett Cole, Mike's, you know, Giancarlo Stanton, DJ LeMay, who's big contract, Chapman's big contract. There's, there's plenty of power on that, on that payroll right now, whether or not it sticks around for long-term, we'll see, but they're all in $780 million of, of future guarantees. Then you got Mike Trout's angels, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Mike Trout's about half of the 713 million, but you know, you got Rendon, you got some pool holes money left on that, on that, con- you know, Justin Upton is still making good coin. We'll just see if it's enough. I hope they can compete this year. $690 million of future contracts to your San Diego Padres, Scott, Manny Machado, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not Eric Hosmer, Fernando Tatis done. Jr. Yeah. Good stuff. What a fun freaking team and, to watch. Well, and 
that's not even including these pitchers that they've traded for that they may extend. You know, you got Clevenger who's going to probably want some money. So yep. you got Don't some guys. Yep. Yeah. You got some guys that are going to want to get paid. Fun team. Phillies are fourth. They brought in obviously Bryce Harper, brought back JT Real Muto, a couple of pitchers extended recently. So plenty of uh, dollar signs there. That's a team though that might be fourth in their division, believe it or not. Uh, you know, Angels could say the same, by the way. So t- two, you know, two, two of these top fivers could have ugly standings. Dodgers are fifth, 645. That's Mookie, of course. Kershaw, of course. Justin Turner's now in the fold on that. Look, they got to pay Bellinger. They got Corey mm-hmm. Seager up after this year. Yes. Um, Walker Bueller is going to be in this conversation soon. There's some, uh, there's some young kids that are going to break the bank. They haven't even, haven't even brought up Dustin May, really. Gavin Lux. I mean, there's... They are loaded, loaded, loaded. So I would assume that I'd be shocked if the current roster stayed intact throughout 2021. You know, I wonder if there's a veteran trade to to clean this up a little bit because I don't know if you keep Corey Seager. You know, I don't know if you, the shortstop extension market is going to be ridiculous with Lindor, Trey Turner. We talked about it. Trevor Story, Corey Seager, Javi Baez, Carlos Correa. I mean, it's just gigantic names. Are they going to kind of cancel each other out financially speaking? similar to what we've seen with the quarterbacks over the past, who knows, but I wonder who, who falls off this Dodgers roster because it, it, this could be an, a $900 million guarantee as quickly as possible. I mean, Bellinger's, you know, probably 250 plus based on what he can do. So it's, uh, that, that could be the team to watch in terms of how high they actually go. And then a couple of, uh, you know, middling teams, the Washington Nats, 590, Boston, who are trying to rebuild, but still have 473 million guaranteed on their payroll. And the Mets who have certainly started to push they're at 420. When Frankie Lindor signs, they could be upwards of 650. You know, they may be fourth on this list by the time the actual opening day hits. So teams to watch for sure. And I don't need to really tell you the bottom <laughs> Royals, Rays, Marlins, Indians, pirates. Any questions? <laughs> I feel like even the uh, average baseball fan could have picked that out of a hat. No question yeah. about it. Yeah, probably. All right, good stuff. Good numbers here. And uh, what do you think? A little basketball next time we meet up here? It's been a couple yeah, of days. Definitely. Getting yeah, towards the definitely. trade deadline, getting towards the middle of the season. We talked the All-Star game a little bit. That's coming up really in a week or so. So we're about at that mid-season point. We'll uh, probably bring back Keith Smith, have a little roundtable discussion about NBA money, NBA futures, maybe some MVP talk as well. And, and oh, by the way, it's baseball season officially. So I'm... Uh, I'm all in on that side of the spectrum. We'll bring back Cousin Dan soon. And we're going to talk some win, win totals. You want in on that, Scott? A little yeah, round definitely. table, win, to- yeah. win, win projections, you know, over-under kind of thing. And uh, maybe some World Series picks, all that fun stuff. Some fantasy baseball talk as well with Cousin Dan. That's coming down the gamut. So uh, my thanks to them. My thanks to Mary Kay Cabot. Great guest. Browns are super interesting. Browns and Bills are kind of attached at the hip right now in terms of how their offseason is shaping up here with quarterback money, some defensive holes to fill, similar drafting, and similar cap space as well. So really interesting stuff from her. She is Mary Kay Cabot on Twitter. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash Botrek. Get yourself 40% off. Find the great articles like the one Lindsey Jones and Daniel Kap- Kaplan put together about the upcoming NFL TV contracts. And OLBG.com, the online betting guide. Free pick and contests, cash prizes. Learn a little bit more about the betting process all along the way. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Janetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast.